the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Pretty much so. That's the goal. We deal with personal finance. We deal with retirement issues. We'll talk about the technology market, the technology in cars, careers, investing, saving, earning, you name it. I will try to do my very, very best to get us to where we need to go. How do we do that? Um, We just try to stay, how shall we say, plugged in. So try to give yourself maybe an hour a week, maybe an hour, two hours a week of reading the USA Today money section or the Wall Street Journal or Barron's. Just scrape a little bit of financial time, investment into you. Social security is something that is a very, very strange concept because I had it all wrong. Probably at least until the age of about 20, 21, I had no clue. I thought you got a check no matter what in retirement. I thought it was going to be enough to take care of you, kind of like it took care of my grandmother. Problem is my grandmother was, when was she born? 1910 or something like that, right? Um, It was a system that was a fail-safe system designed for widows and orphans. It was perfect. It was literally the Americans taking care of the widows and orphans and and the elderly who died at 65, not who died at 90. Or did you see someone just died at 105 and you're like, oh my goodness, what what in their secret was, I was nice to people. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die probably at 50 because I'm a mean person, but I'm already 50. So did it pull that one off for you, ladies and gentlemen. And I do have it guaranteed in my contract that I will die on air. Social security is one of the most popular, most understood. Entitlement programs in the United States history. The person who stayed alive to 105 beat the system. Hardcore. Probably took out way more than they put in in their lifetime. It keeps millions of seniors out of poverty and serves as an important income source for most retirees. But a huge number of Americans harbor some major, 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 major misconceptions, misperceptions, probably a little bit of both. Three-fourths of all Americans believed a dangerous social security myth that could lead them into a very wrong decision. What do you think the most biggest misconception is about social security? 73% of Americans agree with the statement, I am concerned that when I'm ready to retire, social security will not be there for me. It's understandable why. Financial media... And mainstream media have a little bit of a problem on their hands. Um, They see Social Security running out, and they report it like that. 
even if the trust fund runs dry, that doesn't mean social security benefits won't be there for you. The trust fund isn't the only source of funds that benefits can be paid from. Current workers and their employers pay social security taxes throughout the year. The revenue collected from these taxes can be used to pay benefit to current retirees. 20 years ago, when I got into this industry, people like CFP Chad Burton would come on air and he would say, you know, I don't model social security for anyone who's X amount years old. And he's still kind of saying that it hasn't really come to time to update that model and, and lower that number or raise that number. The revenue coming in is projected to provide enough to pay 78% of promised benefits even if the fund runs short. So I get it. You see, okay, we can only pay 78%. So in the worst possible case scenario, officials don't act to shore up one of the country's most beloved benefit programs, retirees in the future, will get almost all their promised benefits facing only a 22% pay cut. So yeah, it's underfunded to the tune of about 22%. And our government's going to have to tinker with that. And maybe they're going to say retirement age is not 62 and a half. Maybe it's going to be 63 and a half. Um, maybe it's going to be, you want to take it at 62, you get 22% less benefits than someone who takes it at 70 who gets 22% more than you. They will tinker with it. One of the morbid thoughts that I had during COVID was since this is a disease killing a lot of elderly, is this good for social security fund? I have a true sickness that's positive and negative. It's a superpower. I see everything as somehow related to money, even pandemics. The $16,728 social security bonus most retirees completely overlook is if you take social security at an older age. If you're like most Americans, you're a few years behind on your retirement savings, but a handful of little known social security secrets are still out there. Every year that you delay retirement, you get as much as $16,728 more. Once you learn to maximize social security benefits, you think you could retire confidently uh, with peace of mind, but you really got to tinker with all of this. Um, so try to learn everything you can about social security benefits. When you're 50, 55, I would say I didn't have a good grasp on it until my 20s on what we were going to get and not get. Um, I didn't get ideas uh, like me taking it early and my wife taking it later. I didn't have to. Um, so a lot of people think money's going to run out. It won't. It will be tinkered with for sure. It's a very difficult thing for Congress to tinker with in large part because old people vote. So it's one of those things that I, I think probably means more taxes for young people. Um, and again, I'm not going to get Democrat or Republican, but where do you want to sacrifice your votes? If you're Republican, probably younger people, right? I don't know. I don't even know the answer that way. So have yourself a benefit and go to ssa.gov today, ssa.gov. If you haven't ever done it, you should. Back 15, 20 years ago, we used to get a social security statement every year mailed to us. I don't remember when it came. I just remembered it was kind of cool because you could take a look at the first year you work. So I was able to pull it out and go, hey, kids, look at this. 
Uh, this says my first paycheck was 1982. That means I was in eighth grade. So you should get a job in eighth grade. And they're like, oh, no way, dad. We're going to be studying for high school and college. No way, dad. No. I'm like, ah, back when I was your age, I had a job. Um, and it's weird to see because you see years like where you made like $6,000 and you're like, hey, I was 21 years old. I made $6,000 in a year. That's not very much. And you're like, oh, I did that during the summer because I was in uh, college. That you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a really, really weird reminder of how your life has played out. Especially when you see in the later years, your peak earning years. You're like, hey, I did pretty good that year. Um, it's just a nice reflection on, on your career. So you can, oh, by the way, um, I, I was reminiscing about that because I forgot to tell you. You still get that statement every five years. Um, but I think out of uh, deference to you or deference to the show, you should check your own social security benefits at ssa.gov if you feel comfortable putting your information online, which to me is really, really interesting because as I'm getting older, I'm seeing more and more people just having crazy, crazy concepts with life. Whether it's we should never go to electric vehicle cars because our electricity grid can't handle it. Uh, isn't that a reason to kind of figure it out? <laughs> isn't it kind of the reason? Um. But a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions on retirement, when they should take it, when they should uh, hit social security and how much it's going to be. Get on top of that information. Empower yourself. A little knowledge every week goes a long way. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. I think I'm probably as romantic as you are at the beginning of the year, trying to figure out what the fireworks of the next 12 months are going to look like on Wall Street. It's kind of fun. Fireworks don't really happen on January 1, or do they? As the calendar year shifted, we've become really, really concerned about big tech companies like Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Google and Netflix. And we go, wow, they've got these PEs that are historically outrageous. And the real simple rule here is, is that you can have outrageous PEs when interest rates are declining. You tend to tighten your belt on PEs, per, uh, price of the stock to the earnings of the stock. We tend to get a little bit more conservative as interest rates are rising. I don't know if this is still true, but the average S&P 500 earnings used to be about 16. Now, again, the S&P 500 is made up of 10 different uh, sectors, things like technology growing faster than, say, utilities. Utilities should have a lower PE than, say, technology. Then you throw in retailers and banks and you're like, well, banks are pretty consistent and retailers kind of can have hit or miss fashion. That's just me being really too simple because it's not always just fashion. It could be hardware, it could be uh, electronics, things like that. Um, but there's so many sectors and healthcare is one of them, the S&P 500. We always start the year going, um, you know, where should the valuation be on the S&P 500 in these sectors? And because this year we do see the Federal Reserve saying 2022 is going to be the year where we start raising interest rates. Once they stop raising interest rates, it's probably a good time to, again, start rethinking where you want to be going forward for the next six months in the short term. Um, my new money buys 
are low valuation stocks right now and or tech companies that are earning a lot of money on a huge platform that will be able to weather a storm of one or two years of underperformance in stock given that I'm playing the game for the long term. I want the companies buying their stock back. I want them increasing their dividends. I want them increase the number of users. I want, you know, there's things that I'll look for. Um, healthcare is a little bit more attractive to me this year than last year. Well, that's not true. Um, I shouldn't make it up and make it sound that easy too often. Um, financials and industrials and maybe to somewhat um, some income plays are going to be a little bit more interesting to me this year. I think that's probably the best way of me saying that without being misleading in any way, shape or form. In 2022, we see 52 drugs. I know you're saying 52 drugs. We see more than that. Keep in mind, my mom died in 2021, last year. And she was easily taking eight different drugs on the day she died, whether it's blood thinners or things for diabetics. I don't know. So we see 52 new drug applications. Um, some have been delayed because the FDA has been hampered by the pandemic. It's given priority to COVID treatments. Second, as waves of the pandemic have come and gone, it's been more challenging for companies to complete clinical trials and difficult for the FDA to carry out duties like plant inspections and regulatory reviews. So during the, during the heart of the pandemic, and I'm trying to guess that we may be in the sixth or seventh inning, and I don't know if it gets worse in the later innings, I don't know. But it feels like when we originally saw this, it was going to be a six-month pandemic. Now we're into a two-and-a-half-year expectation, maybe three-year. Isn't that something, how, how underestimating of time we were? So healthcare in 2022 has given, like I said, priority to COVID, and the FDA has had problems getting enough people to review the data because all the COVID data, hey, how did they approve that so fast? They weren't approving cancer drugs. They weren't approving erectile dysfunction drugs. Um, they put their focus on COVID. More than 15,000 domestic FDA inspections were postponed because of COVID-19. The good news is that the FDA predicted it would complete about 14% of those in 2021. It ended up doubling that goal and uh, more. 2022 could be a year it catches up on pre-pandemic time. So our healthcare infrastructure, it too has been hit. Um, supply side constrained uh, with time and labor. By opening thousands of health clinics around the country, retail pharmacies chains are turning primary care into a one-stop shop. You're going to see that as a theme this year. So first theme is the FDA is going to catch up on their COVID delays. Second theme is that you're going to see more and more CVSs, Walgreens, Rite Aids, open up healthcare hubs, which offer chronic condition care, treatment for common illness, telehealth, pharmacy support services, and wellness products. So a massive opening of locations where we can get more healthcare that isn't our doctor's office or hospital. And I say yay to that. I don't know if you've seen one of these yet, but Bank of America's got these uh, ATM machines that are highly secure. So they buy like a little teeny tiny sliver of a long closet in a strip mall. They've got five ATM machines there, but they're not ATM machines. You go in, the door locks behind you, and you can do a video call. It's pretty cool where we're getting at with 
online banking. And we're getting there too with online telehealth. Walgreens and Village MD are on track to open 600 primary care clinics in 30 U.S. markets, coupled with the growth of virtual care from Teladoc, Amwell, and MD Live, not to mention Amazon's interest in the pharmacy delivery game and telehealth via Amazon Care. Hospitals and health systems can expect immense pressure to keep up with convenient and super fast consumer care models. So if I were a betting man, okay, no, no. Here's an investment theme I'm going to look at consistently. Teladoc as a stock and Amazon getting into healthcare. I'm okay with CVS and Walgreens as potential long-term investments on dividends, but they don't really hit my, my, my level of the complete stock. And since I'm picky, I look at myself as if I ever own more than 20 stocks, I got too much. But I'm, I own shares of Amazon in large part because of the delivery. And that's a big problem for Amazon this year. Um, cost of drivers, cost of gas, cost of starting up an EV fleet. They're having problems with labor. And if the labor unionizes on them, it's not going to be the best part about Amazon. They'll have to raise prices on Prime, which I think they have plenty of wiggle room to do. I don't see myself giving up Prime, even if it went up to $250 a year or $275 a year. And since they have millions and millions and millions and millions of people on that subscription, which Wall Street loves, we talked about subscriptions at least recently. If you're willing to subscribe to unlimited tacos or 30 tacos in a month at Taco Bell, I think you're probably going to keep your Amazon Prime. Another issue that's going to be big in 2022 for healthcare is the staffing shortages. And that's going to be more automation. It's going to mean uh, nurses and care providers, uh, call center agents. They're all very, very hard to find right now. The burnout and attrition is very high. Look for more automation. The global market for healthcare virtual assistance alone is expected to grow from 1.1 billion in 2021 to 6 billion by 2026. Follow the money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So people like predictions at this time of year and always come through, and I do my best to give you a little bit of that. just thought I would throw this down before I did was I just read Jane. It ties into the predictions. Trust me. I tie everything in together, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly. Jane Levy's biography of Mickey Mantle is an amazing read. I'm not a big sports buff, but I insist on reading things that are out of my wheelhouse. Um, I'm not like, Oh, I could only do murder mysteries. Oh, I could only do science fiction. Oh, I only have to read money books. Um, so Jane Levy's biographies, I like biographies on occasion. If the writer is more interesting of a style than say the subject, she did biography on Sandy Koufax, people who are legends in sports who I didn't grow up watching. I was too, I wasn't born. So even though the book about Mickey Mantle is about a baseball player, it's really a portrait of a wounded man. Um, it's amazing. It's the best book I've read in probably two years. Jane Levy's Mickey Mantle. And I bring that up because one of the predictions that I have this year is Netflix is going to get into more sports programming. Um, last year, I said Netflix has to expand out of TV shows and movies. 
Netflix is, operates a very weird business. Do you think they started 2021 thinking that um, Squid Game was going to be their big, their biggest hit ever? Biggest TV show ever? Do you think anyone saw that coming? You know, Ted Lasso over at Apple was passed on by HBO, Showtime. Every major streaming network passed on it. And then Apple got it. Um, I think that's worthy of note. So I think I told you last year, um, Netflix would focus a little bit more on video games and they did. So now it seems that any popular League of Legend worldwide, you know, dominant video game, uh, The Witcher, Netflix is going to continue to add that kind of programming. And even the video games themselves, they're going to start distributing video games. Why not? If you see where the internet's going, where all you need to do is plug a joystick in to your monitor, uh, to your TV or, or hook up wireless bully on Bluetooth, a lot of people are just resisting that, but it's already there. So will the Netflix buy Monday Night Football or the NBA Finals? So far, they've done no major sporting events. At some point, I think what you're going to see them bidding on, and Reed Hastings has already said, we're going to bid on the rights to Formula One, which will become available at the end of 2022. This might be the year that you see Netflix stepping up their game. And whether it's like Jane Levy's book on Mickey Mantle, they can do, add more sports documentaries on sports that really have to do with an amazingly hurt man because it's the story and it makes the documentary that much better. So I see them loaded. Netflix is going to create programming like F1, Drive to Survive. The show made Formula One relevant with a whole new generation of viewers, many of whom have lived in places that have never cared about the sport, like the United States. So by introducing reality versions of the behind the scenes of soccer, the behind the scenes of Lewis Hamilton and Max van Stapen brake testing collisions. And you're like, wow, maybe I should find that on TV. You're just going to continue to see them roll out again and again, very slowly when I say this, um, very methodically, they have a plan on sports. Um, Golf is getting ready to do a show with Netflix. I wouldn't be shocked to see the NBA explore it, other shows as well. What we know about the NBA, the NFL, to a lesser extent, the NHL, but we know this about Formula One now. We know this about golf. They're willing to experiment with formats and ask their celebrities and their stars, hey, you need to go do a, a weird little talk show. We're going to throw pies at your face. And Shaquille's and our LeBron James like, they're going to throw pies at my face? I don't want that. And they're going to pay you a million dollars every time they do that. Well, sign me up for that. I want pies thrown in my face. Any creative way we could repackage sports, we will. Will Apple or Amazon snag the NBA rights? This is going to happen eventually. Or Google. So far, Amazon's picked up Sunday, uh, Thursday Night Football. They've done some pretty good, pretty savvy deals. They've done some select baseball games. And you know all the data that they're getting is going straight into a computer and they're figuring out Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees, Dodgers, Dodgers, Dodgers. Uh, they're figuring out the best sports and the best teams. And they're going to figure out who's willing to pay in what parts of the country. The problem is sports are very regional right now. 
So what, where the money is going to be in are the exclusive games in the playoffs. So like if Apple or Amazon were to say, we're going to come up with a Christmas day, we'll buy the Christmas day package and take it away from ABC or ESPN. It's just a new player getting in. Most people expect Turner and ESPN to retain the rights, but the NBA could go the way of the NFL and carve off yet another little package for Silicon Valley. If league does, it'll try to entice basketball super fan package. Um, they'll try to get people like Eddie Q or Apple to make a bid. They just don't want to go to Amazon at the lowest bid. Amazon's got the NFL package already. Um, the NFL has set up what's called a media business, the NFL's media business. You're going to see companies like Amazon and Apple buy into that in large part to offer content. And Apple's very methodical, but again, they don't have to make a lot of money in media. They just got to get their toes wet into it. Spotify has a new buzzword in 2022 called creator. Um, did we see what they did in 2021? They signed people like Michelle Obama, Joe Rogan, Dak Shepard. That might've been 2020, but you get the idea. One thing I like about tech startups or tech companies are when their founder is still in charge. Daniel Eck is the founder of Spotify and he seems to have a really big issue with his legacy. And he doesn't really like his competition like Apple, but he wants to be compared to Netflix and not Apple. He wants to distribute other companies' TV shows versus making their own. He wants to distribute other companies' podcasts versus making his own. He wants a couple people um, that he pays big money for internally, but he wants audio creators to view Spotify like video creators have viewed Google and YouTube. So he's constantly shifting. Let's not compare us to Apple Music and a music subscription. And then let's sign some big stars to show host. And now he's saying, let's, let's create, give the creative tools and the advertising tools to people like Rob Black and your money to post his podcast there. And if I want to put in a commercial, for, and I, I won't commercialize the show in that level, I'll never have you. Did you know that if you go to wework.com, you could sign up and we will work on hotels together. I'm never going to be reading a spot like that. It's just, I've kind of avoided my whole life. I've done some endorsements, but typically the ones I have, I, I can say I've vetted pretty well. There is one that I agreed to do two interviews with that they somehow played it out to like six months of, and I was really embarrassed about And on television. There was a time where um, back in 2006, Kate Crown uh, asked me to support a, a lawyer's group that was saying, hey, if you call us, We'll get you out of your house. Uh, you got a mortgage that's upside down. We'll we'll get you. Out. Don't worry about it. So don't worry, but we'll get we'll get you free and clear of that. And like I, I didn't know how to vet it. And ultimately they would take people's money to negotiate for them um, the writing down of how much principal or how much the monthly cost was going to be on that mortgage. Um, and a lot of times they just take people's money and say, okay, well, we called the bank and they said no, so good luck. And that sucks when you pay a lawyer $4,000 and they say, we tried and we failed. Sorry, but didn't you kind of almost pseudo promise on TV? 2022 is going to be probably the biggest year ever for concerts. If we get through this Omicron, um, right now it feels like 
January, May, we're gonna could be one of those things where we see more concerts canceled, right? But listen to the concert that's coming this this summer and fall. The weekend, Bad Bunny, Billy Eilish, Dua Lipa, Justin Bieber, Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, as much as Zuckerberg and Apple want us in alternate reality and virtual reality and the metaverse and those worlds to start like, hey, look, you'll be able to see Olivia Rodrigo in front row. Yeah, that's going to happen and probably in my lifetime, but not this year. So I would love to see Olivia Rodrigo. If my kids, uh, they, they like her music. Um, and I say that because sometimes you see some talent that's younger, like Justin Bieber, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And like the Jonas Brothers, I never understood them, but I get AJR. So there's some young bands kind of make it in some young bands that don't for me. But I'd love to see Olivia Rodrigo. And it, the, the personal, I, I, do you hear what I'm saying right now? I would, it would make me smile. My cousin loves Billie Eilish. So getting her tickets to the concert to go with her, my sister, is, is fantastic. I'm, I was so proud I was able to do that. Um, this would be a big year for concerts. And I'll say this, 2023 will be even a bigger year. So just throw that down at this point in time when you're trying to make predictions. Movie studios are going to see a big bounce back this year. Ticket sales ended the year down about 60%. Only one movie crossed that billion-dollar threshold, Spider-Man No Way Home. It's given movie studios confidence. There's some big movies coming, The Batman, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Top Gun, Maverick, Jurassic World Dominion. You're going to see Avatar 2. You're going to see a lot of billion-dollar movies this year. Top executives at movie theaters and not movie theaters, top executives at movie studios and TV studios are going to keep flipping, um, making big deals with streamers. ABC, NBC, CBS, those kind of executives like Les Moonves and Jeff Bukes and Summer Redstone, they're dinosaurs. Long live the young new power like Chapik and uh, other deal makers out there. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I like learning a lot of different ways. I like reading books that are out of my wheelhouse, but also I like looking at charts, uh, graphs. I'll try to learn anything I can from a meme, what's it trying to tell me, um, or as I like to call them, memes. <laughs> I don't like to call that. Listen to this crazy thing. How much time do you think it takes from the time you place your order to the time your package gets loaded on the truck at Amazon? How much time do you think from placing your order to the time it gets loaded? So that includes processing, locating, packing, scanning, and labeling before it hits the road. 45 minutes from start to the truck driver. Not the final drive to your home, but maybe from Reno to Sacramento, Sacramento to Marin, Marin to your home. That's astounding that Amazon has figured that out. Amazon now receives 10 million orders per day, 115 orders per second. One out of every 153 American workers is an Amazon employee. I love statistics because why do I own shares of Amazon? They receive 10 million orders a day. Sure, that's one reason. 115 orders per second. Yo, I just set one 1,000, two 1,000. That's another like, whoa. One out of 153 Americans is an Amazon employee. 
Okay, you want some more raw data? And for the record, I don't invest off raw data, but it can excite me to the point that I've probably soiled myself. I'm kidding about that, trying to make you snicker. Apple's road to a trillion. It took 42 years for Apple to reach $1 trillion in evaluation, the first ever company to do it. It took just two years to add another trillion. Today, Apple's market cap is roughly equal to all the world's unicorn stocks combined, and it's fast on its way to $3 trillion, which it just touched. Um, it's astounding how fast it has broken through those records. Um, considering back in the early 1990s, Apple was 30 days away from filing for bankruptcy, and now it's worth roughly $3 trillion, give or take a week or a day or you know what I'm trying to say. But look at the, in that period of time on their road from, you know, a $200, million, $200 billion company to a trillion. Apple doesn't hit a trillion until after the iPod was invented, roughly 2002. Um, the iPhone in 2007, the iPad in 2010, a lot of MacBook Pros in there the Apple watch in 2014, AirPods in 2016. It hits a trillion right, right, right after the AirPods. And they haven't really come out with much brand new than the watch, the AirPods or the phone. There were new versions of them, new versions of MacBook Pro since 2017. 2022, it looks like augmented reality. But sometime after 2017, Wall Street started saying, you know what? We think you're worth a trillion. No, we think you're worth two trillion. No, we think you're worth three trillion. Um, that's a crazy progression of product versus valuation. And again, I don't expect all of my content to always ring true with you. Like here's one that's going to piss some people off. 77% of people in Congress are white. And yet only... 40% of our population is white. We have a very unrepresentative Congress. 73% of the people in Congress are men, and yet 52% of our population are women. 88% of our Congress are Christian, yet 60% of our country is considered Christian. Um, Congress is close to nine out of 10 versus six out of 10. So one of the things you hear me get frustrated about on the show is I have to talk some politics. I try not to say Republicans. I try not to say Democrats. I try to say I don't really like them both on a lot of levels. I just don't think it represents America. And I think it's out of touch. And every now and then you see like examples of that. A couple of years ago, we were like, Mitt Romney, he's a billionaire. And he's a, he, he makes money by like buying companies that are imagined. Like we demonized him because he was a, uh, an entrepreneur. And like entrepreneurs shouldn't be representing us in Congress. And then you get, you know, the Matt Getzes of the world or some of the people that don't seem to have brains and you get a little frustrated and you see a lot of lawyers and doctors and Dr. Oz. Is that really a good idea? They want to be mean, but is that really a good idea? He pushes like crazy medical products on his shows. Um, if you ever look up like the 12 things that he's been you know, falsely wrong on and hurtful to our society, people are keeping sights on his bad information. 
Um, I just think power corrupts and I don't like Congress is what I'm trying to get at. And I don't think it represents me in any way, shape or form anymore. Um, one of the things I'm apathetic about is trying to get stoic at the beginning of the new year and, and being very adamant. I had a very good year in 2021. I have a hard time believing 2022 is going to even be even better. Um, it's hard to bat a thousand in baseball. No one's ever done it. Um, I don't like losing money. And I approach 2022 with a weird phenomenon. We've just had the greatest 10 year run. I've talked about that recently on this show about how much wealth I've created in the last three years. It's, it's phenomenal. And three years of pandemic times. Are you kidding me? In have you ever had a beer and then you're like, oh, I'm going to have another beer. And then you're like, I'm going to have another beer. I'm going to have another beer. You don't want that to happen investing where you're like, I had a good year. Oh, I'm going to have another good year. Oh, I'm going to have another good year. I bet I have another good year. It's, it's, you don't, you kind of get a little too drunk with it. The Fed's going to raise interest rates in 2022. And that puts you in a predicament. Um, I'm going to work with you all year long on how we can outwork the market, but it's, it makes buying commodities difficult. It makes buying bonds difficult. It makes buying stocks difficult. Um, not completely, but the playbook that worked in 2021 that we didn't see coming won't be the playbook that works in 2022 because we won't see something coming. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.